If you have your Bible here tonight, it would be uh, a great help if you could turn to the book of Joel. The book of Joel and chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. And we're going to read tonight from verse 21 to 27. And the prophet Joel, written in the 8th century before Christ, said this. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvellous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad, then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. And there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Praise the Lord. Please keep your Bible open there. Now if you were to come to our house and, uh, uh, and go near our back door, you would notice a pile of frisbees. Uh, three frisbees there to be exact, and there's another one downstairs. And the reason I keep those frisbees by the back door is I have an enemy. He comes into the back garden... And he digs holes in my back garden and he makes the lawn look like the surface of the moon. I'm talking, of course, about the squirrel. And uh, both when he comes to hide his food and then when he comes back to get it and he can never remember where it is, he's digging up my back garden. So whenever I see him, I throw frisbees to chase him off. Well, that's a little thing, but it's nothing compared to having a visit from these guys locust and locusts are literally the plague of the eastern world and uh, a plague of locust coming in can devour crops in huge numbers and have a devastating effect do you know in 1875 12.5 trillion rocky mountain locusts came down on an area of 198,000 square miles in America. The size of the swarm was 1,800 miles long 
and 110 miles wide. And they created devastation. And that's not entirely unusual. Locusts can mass in great numbers. One swarm in in Morocco recently was as many as 69 billion locusts. And uh, pink locusts have been seen in recent years too. In fact, in 2005, France had a locust swarm come in and they had everything from the, the things in the fields even to the vegetables in the, in the back garden and the window boxes as well. And so they are a terrible, terrible thing. <coughs> and the book of Joel was written at the time when there was a locust invasion into the land of Israel. And it was all because Israel had gone away from the Lord her God. And God had said back at the beginning when he gave the law to Moses, the, the Ten Commandments and the commandments he wanted Israel to follow. He said, if you, if you walk with me, I'll bless you. But if you go away from me and start following idols, start doing wicked things like the nations around who kill their babies and offer them to idols and things like that, then I'm going to punish you. I'm not going to let you get away with that. And one of the judgments I will send you will be locust into your land. Well, Israel did what she was warned not to do. And so God sent a swarm of locusts. And uh, in the first chapter of this little three-chapter book, in the book of Joel, the Lord says this, Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. It was a terrible, terrible plague of locusts that came into the land of Israel and devoured their food. It had such a terrible effect on society. You know, weddings were cancelled and the brides would go together with the bridegrooms to the temple to mourn for the sake of what had happened to their land, their crops, their future. Uh, The priests who were working in the temple, they were in mourning and they ripped their their garments because they were mourning because there there was nothing left uh, either to support them in their ministry or to offer to God in, in, in gifts as they did in the temple. Even the winos and the drunkards went into mourning because now all the grapes was gone, there wasn't going to be any wine for them. And uh, this is all written in the first chapter of Joel. It was a time of terrible mourning. And God raised up the prophet Joel to this people and said, repent, come back to the Lord. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to save you. Repent. Don't just tear your garments, tear your hearts and come back to the Lord. And the message of the book of Joel is that come back to the Lord. And Joel, by prophecy, gave a message about what would happen if they did and how God would restore to them again the things that the locust had devoured. 
And that's what we're looking at tonight. And it's a a beautiful passage because these locusts uh, were coming in in terrible effect. Those four stages of locusts, by the way, that I mentioned in chapter 1, verse 4, and which I mentioned here in verse 25, are the four stages that locusts go through. It was interesting, I read this uh, uh, partly in in an article in the Barnabas magazine. We're giving to Barnabas aid. But in 2020, there was a a, a locust plague in Afghanistan that devoured crops there. And they said, the worst thing is they've turned to yellow locusts. And a yellow locust means it's, it's gregarious now. It's working as a group. And now it won't just act as an individual eater. It'll be part of a mob mentality. And it, it's, it's true. The locusts go through these four stages. They're crawling locusts, little, little worm-like creatures. You can see up there at the beginning. Then they go to the next stage, which are consuming locusts. They're, they're just eating, but they're not really traveling uh, so fast. They're hoppers, they get up and they carry on the wind, but they don't really fly so much. Then they become chewing locust and the swarming locust, the yellow one, on the end there. And then they, of course, start laying eggs and the whole thing goes from bad to worse. Uh, and this was what had happened and this was Joel's response. He said, come back to the Lord and when you do, God will bless you. And in prophecy, he said how God was going to rescue the people of Israel. And it's a beautiful thing, because if you look back in verse 20, God said he would take away this plague of locusts. He said, but I will remove far away from you the northern army and will drive him away into a barren and desolate land with his face towards the eastern sea. Sorry, it turned over two pages at once. And his back towards the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odour will rise because he has done monstrous things. What God, Joel was saying was that God would send a strong wind. And these locusts, they travel on the wind. Sometimes they travel 80 miles a day on the winds. And God said, I'm going to send a huge wind. And it will spread between the two seas. You've got the Mediterranean Sea, which is the Western Sea, and you've got the Dead Sea, which is the Eastern Sea. And that shows how big this this swarm was. It covered the land like this. And he said, one end of him will be at that end, and the other end of the locust swarm will be at the other end. But I'm going to send a wind, and it's going to blow them down into the Negev Desert. You know, that's exactly the best place to send them. The place where locusts like to lay their eggs is in the damp, in the damp ground. But in the desert... That's where they're going to die out. And so God said, I'm going to send a a wind when they repented. And Israel did repent. And he delivered them from the swarm of locusts. And with that, the Lord gave them wonderful harvest blessings in anticipation of restoring what the locusts had eaten. And it caused the people of Israel to say, for the Lord has done marvelous things for us. Did you notice that? It came up in verse 21, came up in uh, another form in verse 26, who has done wondrously for you. It's actually taken from that psalm we read earlier, Psalm 126, where that psalm says, The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. And that will be their song in that day uh, when they say, This is what the Lord has done. For us, And in doing so, they will say that God has given them a generous provision, a gracious restoration, 
and a glorious revelation. And those are the three things that come out in this passage. And just briefly for our Harvest Thanksgiving sermon tonight, I'd like to consider the things that God has done, that God did for Israel, that he can do for us too, uh, and for which we can say the Lord has done marvellous things for us. First of all then, the Lord gave them a generous provision. You know, one of the weirdest things I ever came across, and I love music, okay, I love music, but one of the weirdest things I ever came across, and you can Google this to see it's true, is the Vienna Vegetable Orchestra. Now, you think I'm joking, and this is a wind-up, but it's not. It's absolutely serious. There are a group of musicians who travel the world playing vegetables as instruments, They hollow out cucumbers, they hollow out uh, uh, carrots, and they make them into penny whistles. Uh, They clap together uh, different hollow vegetables, uh, you know, like pepper hollows when they've taken the pepper stuff out the inside. Uh, They make trumpets with them and just about everything. It's the weirdest sounding music you ever heard. I don't want any records, all right? Okay, so don't buy me any. Okay, it's not an advert. It's weird. But one thing I will say they got right is this. There is a connection between food and music. Because the people of Israel praised God for giving them the generous produce and the generous provision in this harvest after he had got rid of the locust. And if you look in verse 21 through to 24, you can see the, 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 the prophet addresses three groups. He addresses the land, first of all, in verse 21. He says, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Uh, and then he addressed the animals, who are also afflicted uh, by their, their pastures being eaten up by the locusts. And in verse 22, he says, Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and the vine yield their strength. And thirdly, he addresses the people themselves in verse 23 through to 24. And he says, be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. Everybody is rejoicing after the plague of locusts has gone. And God miraculously sends blessing to the land and gives a generous provision of food to the people. And this was a wonderful thing that God said he would do. And he said, you know, to not be afraid. You know, fear is one of the things we all feel, isn't it, about our our security for the future. And these people who lived in an agrarian economy where they depended on their crops, they, you know, they, they didn't have the sort of savings that we have and pensions and so on. They depended on their crops to survive. God said, don't be afraid. Fear not. And he provided for them. And he made, as it were, uh, the crops come in abundance and bless them. And he also said he would send them the rain. In verse 23, in the second half, he says, For he has given you the former rain faithfully. He will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Now, if you uh, are not familiar with the rain cycle in the land of Israel um, then you won't really understand this but the rain comes in two seasons it has the early rain and the latter rain as they call it 
Ironically to us, the early rain is around this time of the year, around September, autumn time. Because actually, this is the time of the Jewish New Year. Their calendar doesn't begin January the 1st. It begins at this time of the year with a feast called Rosh Hashanah, which means New Year, the Feast of Trumpets. And uh, so that's the early rain. And then the latter rain comes in March, April. And they, they depend on that rain for their, their land. And remember, it's the Middle East, so water really does matter. And so God says to them, I'm going to send you the rain, and it will come down abundantly. And verse 24 says, the threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. God's going to send them a bumper crop. And what a, what a wonderful, generous provision that is that God gave to the people who repented of their sin and turned back to the Lord and was, was given them here. And you know what? We have to say the same thing, don't we? You know, God has been awfully good to us. I know that there's, there's a lot of us in this room who are struggling to make ends meet with the cost of living going up and that. But really, you and I have seen some pretty horrendous things on the news in the last six months. And we've seen places where there's total devastation and terrible loss. And here we are. And although we're stretched, we're not without. And we have to say, thank you, Lord, for all that you have given to us. God is a wonderful, wonderful provider. Even in times of great difficulties, the Lord can provide miraculously. Listen, I came across a report uh, in a magazine. This goes back to 2013, so it's a little bit out of date, but it touched me so much. It said this, a report from Zimbabwe recently told of two teenagers who were prowling around the town dump looking for anything they could salvage. They found 50 eggs discarded by chicken producers. Taking the eggs home, they hatched them. More eggs, more chicks. Now the two boys have a business going with more than 500 chickens and the proceeds pay their school expenses. (laughs) Again, isn't the Lord good? He has wonderful ways of providing even in difficulties. So it's something for us to give thanks to the Lord and say, the Lord has done marvellous things for us. Let's give thanks for his provision. He also blessed them with a gracious restoration. And that's what comes out in verse 25 through to 27. In verse 25, he says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And then he goes through all those stages of the locusts again and uh, the different stages which had come in and devoured the land. He says in verse 26, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. God was going to give them a gracious restoration. And he said, I will restore to you the years the swarming locusts have eaten. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that the plague lasted for years, because I don't think the people of Israel would have survived. They would have died from the famine if it had been years and years. But there was years of damage done. Because, you see, when you destroy the crops, you're destroying the seed as well of the next harvest. 
And so years of damage had been done by what was devoured there. But the Lord said, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And you know, that became a sort of picture really uh, in biblical times and in our own days of the Lord's amazing power to restore what has been lost through sin. You know, they lost so much through sin, didn't they? Their, 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 their crops and their vegetables. And the Lord in his grace said he would restore it. Well, much can be said the same for us. We often lose very much because of sin. And the Lord in his grace is able to restore what the swarming locusts of life, as it were, eat. Let me give you a personal testimony from uh, uh, a footballer from Hungary. So this is going to interest uh, Lila especially. But this man is Zoltan Gera. He used to play for uh, Fulham. I think, I'm not sure if he still does. Uh, but he used to play as a midfielder for Fulham. And uh, his testimony, he, he's a Christian. He's a born-again Christian. He put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. His father uh, and mother broke up when they were young. It had a bad effect on his upbringing. And he ended up mixing with the wrong group of people at school. How often that happens. And, it, you know, a lad who was physically fit and brilliant at football, he got involved with the wrong crowd. And he started doing drink. And drink led to drugs and he got into serious stuff that was wasting away. His body was wasting away. Anyway, his father became a Christian. And he, he said, son, I want you to come to church with me. I want you to see what it's like. I want you to come. And he said, I, I went to church. He said, and I was expecting it to be awful. He said, I couldn't believe how happy all the people were. He said, they had something. They, you know, they were rejoicing in something. And I knew it was something good. And it made him want to go back. And in time, he gave his heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ and asked him to be his saviour. But you know what? The Lord's goodness to him didn't stop there because this boy whose body had wasted away to like a matchstick. You know, he said, you could see my bones through the skin. He said, I started playing football. I found a joy in football again. And I was good and I made it up to uh, higher levels. But my bones were aching terribly from all the years of abuse. And then one day he came across this verse in the Bible. So I will restore to you the years of the swarming locusts of Eden. And he laid his faith on it. And he asked the Lord to restore his health and strength. And the Lord in his goodness did. And what a wonderful difference that made to that man. And uh, today he's a, a footballer who has a testimony of, of the Lord's goodness and walks with the Lord. So I'm led to believe. So that's an illustration of what God can do for us. And I want to ask, you know, do you need the Lord to restore you? Do you need the Lord to restore you? Are you a, a, a somebody who's backslidden away from God? who needs to come back to God, who's been away and the locusts of sin have eaten away in your life, come back to the Lord and lay your faith on this promise. When the Lord says, I'll restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, it doesn't mean that God's going to add years to your life. You know, if you've been a backslider for 96 years, you're not going to get another 96 years. I'm sorry about that. But what God will do is, in the time you have left, he will compound what you're able to be and do for him 
and the blessings will be equivalent to that 96 years. And uh, the quality of what you do for the Lord, if you walk with him, will be as, as that in his eyes. So what a gracious promise. And there's a beautiful verse that goes with it at the end of verse 26. It says this, And my people shall never be put to shame. It comes at the end of verse 27 as well. And in my Bible, that's highlighted both times. You know why? Because I need that. I need that. I'm a sinner. And I just pray to God. Uh, God forgive me my sin. But God's promise is my people will never be put to shame. Isn't that beautiful? You know, we always think that our sins are so bad, you know, we deserve so much shame and disgrace for the things we've done wrong. But God says my people will never be put to shame. Do you know he says that at least three times in the Bible? Let me give you these verses. If If they're not personal to you now... Believe me, one day they may be, or they may be for helping somebody else. But Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7, the Lord, Isaiah said this, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me. By the way, who's that? Who justifies me? It's the Lord, isn't it? Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Do you know that's where Paul got Romans chapter 8 from? Who is he who condemns? (laughs) Christ Jesus who justifies. So we put our trust. So that's where that comes from. That's a wonderful promise for the child of God. There's another one in Zephaniah chapter 3 in verse 11. In that day you shall not be shamed for any of your deeds in which you transgress against me. For then I will take away from your midst those who rejoice in your pride and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. That's what God says to Israel. And uh, the spiritual application is for us as well. So what restoration is promised to the child of God who comes back to the Lord after a time of, rest- of backsliding? So take up the Lord's goodness and say, the Lord has done marvellous things for me. He's restored me. And then thirdly, there's a glorious revelation that is promised to them in verse 27. He says, then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. And there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. The last thing that God says he's going to do for Israel is that he will reveal himself to them. And they will know him in their midst. And they will know that he is the Lord, their God. And that's something that comes up a lot of times in the Old Testament, in the books of the law, when God gave Moses. And he, he said various laws, and he would say, so that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And he says it here, when you come back, you'll know that I am the Lord your God in your midst, and that there is no other. And I want to tell you, that's a, a glorious thing, to know God in that way, to know the Lord is your saviour, and there is no other. I wonder if you know that, if you know the Lord as your saviour tonight, if you're trusting in Christ and you can say that he is the one who saved me and he's in my life. 
Let me tell you a story about a man by the name of James Young Simpson. James Young Simpson was a medical genius. He was the man who invented chloroform, or discovered chloroform, and discovered that it could be used as an anaesthetic, which was a wonderful thing in your pain. And he was uh, uh, hailed in the medical world as a great <coughs> uh, doctor for this discovery. And he was invited to speak at great conventions and share about his other medical knowledge. On one occasion, he was on a platform and he was asked by the man who was interviewing him, tell me, Mr. Young Simpson, he said, we would like to know what is your greatest discovery that you have ever made. And they all expected him to say, oh, well, it's got to be chloroform. But James Young Simpson was a, was a believer. And you know what he said? I will tell you what my greatest discovery is. My greatest discovery has been that I am a sinner, but that I also have a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a testimony that is. And he could say the same thing. I know the Lord God and there is no other. He's my saviour. Listen, can you say that? Can you say, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong and I need forgiving. Can you say, I know there is a saviour and I've put my trust in him and his work on the cross will take me to heaven. That's a glorious revelation if that's yours. And I pray that it will be even tonight. Put your faith where God put your sins on the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you and ask him into your life even tonight. So what a wonderful thing, even out of bad and difficult things that came to the land of Israel like a locust swarm. The Lord said the people would be able to say this, for the Lord has done marvellous things. And may it be that each one of us will be able to say here tonight, as it said in that psalm, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad.